This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that isn't stupid. That means it's time for the debate debate brought to you by CampusToCant.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Ace. And I'm Felix Sharp. And Chris Moxley joins the panel tonight on a reluctant version of tonight's show. As Jim Harbaugh's luck run out, should Caleb Williams transfer? And the new and what new coach has the toughest job? But we start with Western Kentucky offensive coordinator Zach Keatley get, getting the offensive coordinator job at Texas Tech. Chris Moxley. This season, Western Kentucky was, and you gave me these stats, ninth in offensive EPA per pass attempt, third in passing success rate, 17th in rushing success rate. Listen, it just, to somebody like me, they were they were lights out in the passing game. Is Zach Keatley going to Texas Tech? Is that the most important hire this season for the purposes of college fantasy, C2Cs, and Debbie Leagues? I think so. Um he was kind of a revelation. Uh, we didn't really know if the Western Kentucky experiment was going to work. Lifted their entire offense from FCS, brought it to Western Kentucky, uh, and it did. And I think a, he's a big part of that. I think his variation and the way that he's adjusted his offense from the air raid tree works. And I think it's going to work at a at really any level. Um, and I think it's going to work really well at Texas Tech. So I'm really excited for all the pieces of that offense. There's rumors about Quinn Ewers going there. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But whoever's quarterback there and the receivers there are they're just in for a huge year. I, I'm really, really excited about what he does. And I think he's within five years like a power five coach, a head coach. I just think he's that good. Is he the Sean McVay of of college football? Is he, you know, be this young guy and we're gonna want all the guys that have that have, you know, done his laundry and his dry cleaning and caddied for him at the golf course. He, he's already got that Patrick Mahomes name attached to him. Like he was the quarterback coach at Texas Tech when Patrick Mahomes was there. So like I, I find it hard to believe that's not playing a little bit of a role in his success. Texas Tech is like the mecca for offensive gurus. I mean, so many of these offensive gurus have ties to Texas Tech. So I think the actionable information, the question that we need to answer is if Zach Keatley is Keatley is going to Texas Tech, then what positions do we need to target? So obviously the quarterback, but also slot receiver, Jareth Stearns for Western Kentucky at 169 targets, what 130 catches this season. He lined up in the slot 93.4% of the time, according to PFF. Michael Tinsley, uh, Western Kentucky's second leading receiver, lined up 
out wide 96% of the time. So the candidates to fill those roles, at least at this point, are Miles Price, who had a 91.3% slot rate. Friend of the show, Kyle Francis, is also a fan of his. Uh, Eric Ezukanma, who could um, actually uh, uh, declare for the NFL draft, he had a 82 point, uh, 82, 80.2% per, uh, snap share lining up out wide, and he was the actual uh, leading receiver for Texas Tech this year. But that Michael Tinsley, who we just mentioned, He's in the transfer portal, and Texas Tech could be a potential destination for him. And Matt Bruning, I think that it's important because, well, one, Quint Ewers could potentially go to Texas Tech. I mean, that's that's the I'm bearing the lead there. It's that Quint it, that this quarterback that we're talking about it could be tech, it could be Quint Ewers, and if not, it could be uh, Donovan Smith, both of whom we're absolutely high on. But when we're talking about projecting draft capital. When we're talking about you know guys who can put up points in fantasy, they have to be a tied to a good offensive coordinator. And Zach, I, I want to key out Kitley. He's the hot name right now, and he could mean fantasy gold not just for college fantasy teams, but if players are putting up putting up um, good stats there, they could be potentially players that folks want on dynasty teams. Yeah, and I'm I'm very curious to see how that may change. With uh, we've got mocks running right now, so I'm very curious to see how some of the ADP will change on these guys. You know, you mentioned Kyle Francis is big on Miles Price. I was mentioning him earlier as well in the offseason when I talked about Kanata Mumfield as well. He's a guy who who's been producing in the limited amount of work he was getting toward the back end of the season. You know, Austin. I I also like really like Baron Morton, who's their quarterback there as well. I think even if he wins the job, he could be big there. Obviously, Quinn's the big name. That's the guy everybody wants to see there. But uh, I think all these guys could not only just produce for you on the college side, but if they do, then have a chance to go on into the NFL and be something. And so the biggest thing I'm looking forward to then, with knowing the success that he had, last year in Western Kentucky or what he's done with that offense and coming over to Texas tech is how much does that shift the, uh, the ADP and the price on some of these guys? Cause all of them, including Ezu Kadma, who's really kind of the big name, at least early in the year, he kind of faded a little bit toward the, the end of the season, but he was really good to start off the season. None of these guys had any real draft capital coming into the season. So how much has that changed now with some of the mocks we're running? And then even further down the line, now that we know Kitley is there, or even if Quinn Ewers comes over, does that boost these guys up even more? I would still think a guy like Miles Price, uh, and, and maybe Moxley would be able to tell me a little bit better on Tinsley, because I honestly do not know much about him. Uh, do you know, does Price... Does his value shift up more? Does Tinsley's value shoot up more with a Quinn Ewers going there or what we project forward with that offense? I think if Tinsley ends up there, he plays outside um, with as a Kanma. Kalen Geiger is leaving. Uh, I think that was his last year of eligibility. And, and so I think that if Tinsley does go there, and I think there's a good chance he does, because I, I think that he was, probably wants to follow Kitley, then we have three really strong options. And I kind of like their tight end, uh, Zach Koontz, too. Uh, I think he's not not terrible. Or Travis Koontz, sorry. Um, he was I don't a think true he's freshman last either. year? Or second year kid? Uh, he's young, right? Yeah, he's young. It was his first or second <clears throat> year last year. And he he played a lot of snaps for them. So I actually think he's a name to keep an eye on as well. Whatever quarterback is there and receivers are there are going to be productive. It just who are they? <laughs> who are they? Kunt's Kuhn, Kuhn, value is suppressed a little bit because I believe he was injured for three to four weeks out of the year. So his final stat total isn't going to, you know, make your eyes pop out of your head. But I'm pretty sure he came back with like two weeks left and he had big weeks both weeks or at least one of the two or something like that. I mean, so he's definitely a guy to keep eyes on there. Landing spot matters in college football and Texas tech is, I mean, if you have Kitley go there, if you have Quinn Ewers go there, then you, we need to start paying attention to not only the players who are going to get those roles in 2022, but how do their recruiting classes uh, shape out over the next couple of years? We need to pay attention to that. Um, all right. Speaking of landing spots, the fired, Joe Brady, who put together that 2019 LSU team, that historic team, the 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 records that um that Bailey Zappi is starting to approach. Uh, J Joe Brady was instrumental in helping uh, Joe Burrow uh, establish those records. He is rumored to be going to Miami, or is that that's confirmed, or is that just rumored? It's rumored it not that confirmed he is, yet. Yeah, it's not that he is yet. going that he is going to Miami. Chris Moxley. You know, 
I can't really get Austin Nace and Matt Bruning on board with how good uh, Tyler Van Dyke is already. But what would it what would it mean if you add Joe Brady to the mix as offensive coordinator? I it would not be bad for Tyler Van Dyke. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. I actually think the offensive coordinator hire at, my, hire at Miami is the most important coordinator hire of any of the new head coaches. Um, but I think if they get Joe Brady, and I'm not even sure Joe Brady will take that job. I think he could if they're going to actually pay their assistants like a livable wage, then he might. But I mean, any offense that Joe Brady goes to is going to spike. And so I think wherever he goes, you're going to see a huge value spike in that player and probably production wise. Yeah, I agree with uh, Moxley. Even if it's not Brady, I think this is a major hire. And, and one of the reasons I want to talk about this, it's not that I don't like Tyler Van Dyke. I, I, I've I fully admitted to you he's looked better. I have not had a chance to dive into him, so I can't give an opinion on him. It is the way I look at it. I just like to say he's not good because it riles you up, and that that's what makes this show so great, right? But I uh, I do think what Moxley said, the, the hire there is key because – I like Mario Cristobal as a coach, but I do not like anything he does when it comes to the offense. I mean, we've seen a, a guy like Justin Herbert, who I think's probably got a little bit more skill than Tyler Van Dyke, and he looked like a a, a like B plus quarterback in college with Mario Cristobal. Uh, and then we, he's gone to the NFL, and we've seen what he really can do. I think if they don't make a good hire, that could actually kill Tyler Van Dyke's value. If Joe Brady goes there, I'm with you. I mean, that's massive upside for for TVD. Well, uh, we know that Florida is a recruiting hotbed. We've seen a couple of wide receivers enter the transfer portal. Elijah Canaan is fl from Florida. A guy Hall is, if, I think a guy Hall's last season, I believe he finished. He, well, he was at IMG. What wasn't he? So no, um, he was not at IMG. He played one of the big programs in Florida, but I don't remember okay. which one. But it's not IMG. Corey Brooks but is I, IMG. Okay, Brooks I think we could see a guy Hall enter the transfer portal and could. Uh, with Joe Brady, with Tyler Van Dyke there, could Miami be a destination for a big-time uh, transfer portal wide receiver? I think that that could potentially be, be the case. Um, speaking of landing spots, Austin Nace, I want to know who you think has the toughest job over the next three years. We've got Brent Venables uh, at OU, goes from Clemson to OU. Mario Cristobal, who we just mentioned, going from Oregon to Miami. Lincoln Riley uh, down uh, or out west at USC. Marcus Freeman at uh, Notre Dame. And then, of course, the Southern talker himself, Brian Kelly, the coach of the LSU Tigers. So my actual answer is not on this list. I think the actual coach that has the toughest job is Billy Napier, but since he's not on the list, I won't go too deep into that, uh, especially after the events of today. I, I don't expect coaches to, to hold on to an entire recruiting class, but it to lose all of them almost immediately and some of the rumors about why some of these guys chose not to stay is, is not great. Um, but what I, besides him, I think it's Brian Kelly. I think Brian Kelly has an extremely difficult job there at LSU. First, I, I think you have to go through kind of some of the things that it, that just contextually surround him. Nobody, no former assistants wanted to come with this man. No one that's currently with him in Notre Dame, no one that he'd worked with at prior jobs, no one that worked with him at Notre Dame and then left for a different job. Nobody wanted to come with this guy to coach at LSU. He's lost a lot of the bigger recruiting coaches that are already there on staff. They did just rehire, was it Frank Wilson, uh, who was a big-time recruiter at LSU for uh, early 2010. So that is a huge boon for him. But it doesn't seem like they have a, an incredible staff there right now. Their recruiting class right now, everyone wants to dog Florida's, and rightfully so. I believe Florida right now has like the 68th-ranked recruiting class in the country or something. LSU's is also very, 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 very bad. They have, to my knowledge one maybe two useful skill players coming in Dakotas Crawford just decommitted today Walker Howard should he choose to stay there is the highlight of this class he's lost Trevante Citizen um they're probably if I had to guess no longer in the running for a guy like Shaz Preston who's from Louisiana so all of these things coming together the fact that Brian Kelly in my opinion is not a very good coach he's a CEO type and he's not being surrounded by a bunch of you know, middle management that make the CEO look good. 
I think he has a really tough job there. And I think we discussed a little bit on the last show that I think he's gone within three years there. I don't think, I think he's the first LSU coach and what is it? Three coaches that, that does not win a national championship there. And I think we look back on his time and we think they paid a lot of money to get nothing. Really? I think they're going to be in a much worse state than they are now. What are the rumors about why people are leaving Florida, Austin? Nick Evers, for example, there was a rumor that, that, he, Billy Napier said it showed up and said he was going to he was going to recruit a bunch of other quarterbacks in this class. When Nick Evers is like a top five quarterback in this class, and at this stage, maybe don't push people out the door when you're at National Signing Day and there's really no big, you know, free names on the market. Like, don't price yourself. It's like going into an auction and they, they it's at one hundred. You just keep like one twenty, one forty, and you're like you're bidding against yourself. That's kind of what he did. For a lot of these guys, so I don't really know. Somebody check and see if Levi Lewis has any uh, any eligibility left. All right, uh, Matt Bruning, who who amongst amongst this list or who has the uh, toughest job over the next three years? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I 100% agree with, with Austin, but since we already talked about uh, Brian Kelly, I'll go to a different one, and I'm going to go Mario Cristobal. I, I just mentioned him uh, a minute ago. I mean – Clemson is still the class of, of that conference. And I almost agree with, with a lot of what Austin said about Brian Kelly, the same about Mario Cristobal. And I think he's a little bit of a better coach and a much better recruiter, which could end up helping him in Florida. If he's able to kind of turn Miami around to what it used to be and, and get players in there. But I don't know that he's a really good offensive or really even a defensive coach. Uh, and going into there, I don't know if they ever are able going to be able to beat Clemson. I know he's an alumni there, so maybe he doesn't get fired. But I, just, I don't see Miami really being able to return on the investment they're paying him. Moxley mentioned it. They're really going to have to pay out to get these coaches because Oregon was willing to do that for him, which is why he was able to get a lot of the very good coordinators. I don't know that they're able to do that there. I mean, Lincoln Riley, I think he's the class of the Pac-12 now, especially with Cristobal gone. Uh, Venables, I think, is just jumping into a great situation. So at that list, I think I'd have to take uh, I'd have to take Cristobal. So I think he's the furthest away from having a really good team, too, right? Like I don't think that defense is that good. They've got Van Dyke on the offense, but I don't really trust a lot of their weapons either. They're probably a year or two away from competing. And as much as I think Dabo Sweeney is kind of like a weasel and just an all-around weird guy, I, I don't know that. Like I think he'll be able to bring in good staff, uh, good staff around him that will keep Clemson relevant moving forward. Let's put some names on this uh, Mario Cristobal as far as recruits: Penny Sewell, Justin Flo, um, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Ty Thompson, Troy Fl- Troy Franklin. I mean, there are some other names that we could wait. Penny Sewell went to Oregon. No. Did Penny Sewell go to Oregon? Yeah, or yeah. Was, or, yeah, yeah. Or so this is yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, do, you're doing great, sweetie. Yeah. You're doing yeah, great. You're doing okay, great. Yeah. all right. Yeah, just to just to attach some names to uh, Mario no, yeah. Cristobal as he's, far as a recruiter. He's a great recruiter. I, I will give him yeah. that. But he, they were the best team in the Pac-12 for how long now? And they've made one playoff appearance and one national championship. Like, that's my point. They, he took advantage of the Pac-12 when it was down and did nothing with it. Clemson is not going anywhere. And if Dabo, the biggest thing I think hurting them is, is Dabo has always been afraid to use the transfer portal, which seems like he's kind of coming around on. So if that changes, I don't know that Clem, Clemson's still going to be one of the best teams in that division, and they're going to be better than anybody he's played in the Pac-12 since he's been there at Oregon. So that's why I just, I don't, I hope he does, because I do, I really do like Mario Cristobal, but I feel like he's got a lesser chance of success than the other two guys on the list. Yeah, Chris Moxley, um, I, who has the – go ahead. Yeah, so I was, I was, I was basically nodding along with Matt because I do think um, it's Cristobal, but I, I'll preface that with Miami came, came out and said, we'll have the highest assistant coordinator um, budget in the entire ACC. We want to build a stadium on campus. The people that hired Mario Cristobal are like his friends from Miami. Like they're billionaire friends of Mario Cristobal's. Like if they're willing to Marco pay for Simone him. Marco Simone is the prophet. Yes. Like they are willing mm. to pay up for him. I think that they might actually make the investment in facilities, recruiting um, analysts that can actually live in Miami and not like an hour and a half away. It, that, like the, all those things really, really matter. And Miami has been operating like as a poverty university and not doing that for 15, 20 years. 
I think there's a chance they do that. And I think that Chris Ball might be turning the page. And I think if he hires the right offensive coordinator, then we're looking at a, a really potential successful um, program. The one name that we don't have on the list that I'll, I'll briefly talk about, though, I think Dabo Sweeney might be in trouble at Clemson. I was going to put him on the list, actually, but he wasn't I, a trend. Yeah, yeah I, I think losing Brett Venables was tough. Like, they promote from within a lot for their coordinators. I don't think they have anybody to replace Venables. They lost Jeff Scott to South Florida last year. Tony Elliott isn't very good. They're going to lose him, which is probably not a necessarily a bad thing. I think he's going to get the Duke or the Virginia job. It's a net positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're losing a bunch. They, they've been terrible recruiting the offensive line. The defensive, defense has been their best part, losing Venables. They only recruit one prototype at wide receiver. If I'm Clemson, like I'm a little bit worried, uh, to be frank. Like I think they are going to have the toughest time of any team that has to replace staff this offseason. I think that they need to make a lot of changes and Dabos to make a lot of um, decisions that he's never done before. It's the problem with CEO slash, you know, cheerleader type head coaches. I think there's a really thin line between kind of those two labels for guys, but if you're not the 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 brains behind anything going on on the football field, I'm not to say Dabo is just some idiot who doesn't know anything about like he just discovered the forward pass last week or anything. But when you rely so heavily on those coordinators to do a lot of the the heavy lifting around there, and they're no longer there, I agree. I think I, I think we talked about this on Campus Life this week. I think we're going to find out what Dabo is really about here in the next year or two. The, the Lose, one thing I think that can help. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, The one one thing I think could help Dabo, though, is he consistently gets good quarterbacks, which I think matters. And again, that conference as a whole is not that good. If we were talking about him being in like the SEC or the Big Ten or even now the Pac-12, I do think it would matter more. But the fact that that conference as a whole is still down, even if Cristobal brings back Miami, okay, so you've got two really good schools in there because as far as I know, Notre Dame's not going to come over to the conference. So if they do, maybe that changes things because I I do like Marcus Freeman there. I just – I think, like Austin mentioned, losing – but Kenny Pickett's gone. I don't know that they're going to be me. that much better now. Fight I'm me. just saying. I'm just saying. With with Tony Elliott leaving, the offense might actually take a step forward. So I, I that's my biggest thing. He continues. Why we a couple of us at campus can't don't really like K Klubnik. He's rated a very high quarterback for a reason. He, he that's one thing that he's consistently brought in is high rated quarterbacks. And we see that those change the game in college. It really matters. So if he continues to do that, that's where I, I don't know that he fails. Again, I'd love to see it. Not a fan. I'm really not a fan of him, but I, I don't. I think with that alone, his recruiting of the quarterback could, could save his job for quite a while. It has for a while, too. Like a good quarterback, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, has made up for a lot of issues on that team, especially on the offensive line and especially in the receiving core. So, like, we're going we're, we're gonna to see what he's made of. Like, I think it's a really good way to put it, Austin. Chris Moxley, with just one name, just give me one name. Who has the easiest job? Um, can I do Lincoln Riley? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, Lincoln Riley, uh, Matt Bruning, who has the easiest job? Riley, yeah, Austin. I'm gonna say Freeman. I'm gonna say Freeman also. I'm gonna say Freeman also. All right, Austin, let me uh, let me turn it over to you. I've been getting results. I am I am the guy you bring in when no one else can get stuff done. I just take care of everything. Housekeeping time, everybody. Everybody's favorite. Four things to talk about today. First off, rate and review. Guys, I thought we had an agreement. I came in here two weeks ago. I yelled at you. I berated you. You guys gave us more rate and reviews. I went a little softer last week. You guys you guys made me think that you were going to continue to do your job. And you didn't. So now I have to go back to the bad cop. Guys, get your rates and reviews in. We do a lot of different giveaways and stuff. Coming up at the time of the year, the offseason, we like to give stuff away. We cannot give you anything if you do not give us a review. Tell us. Give us five stars. Tell us that you love us. Stroke Felix's ego. That poor guy. He cries when we don't get reviews. Give us rates and reviews. If you guys similarly giving things away, if you are not in our Discord at CampusDecanton.com, membership there, $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. There are a ton of things that come with that membership, but one of them is access to our Discord. We are doing multiple giveaways in there this month. Signed college jerseys. I have a lovely Alabama Jerry Judy jersey. I have a lovely Javante Williams, a really cool colorway, one of those alternate colorways that UNC does. I have one of those. We're giving both of those away only if you're in the Discord. 
So even if you're a member of Campus Canton, you are not eligible to participate. If you are not in that Discord, just mute all the notifications, guys. But, but hop in there and get some free stuff. Last piece here, guys. Prize picks. If you have not done prize picks yet, guys, it's really fun. All sorts of different player props. They have all sorts of sports. They've got esports. I don't even know what the heck that is, but it's on there. Go ahead, sign up there. Promo code C2C gets you an initial deposit match up to $100 and a free year with us. So if you don't want to pay that $2.99 to get into that Discord, sign up for prize picks. We'll win you money on there, and you get to chat with us whenever you want. That's pretty great. can't believe Austin is yelling at our listeners. Yelling at our listeners. It's the only thing Austin. that works. It's Austin. the only thing that works. The carrot or the stick, they don't respond to the carrot. All right, all right, all right. Um. Guys, I want to talk a little bit about um, the playoff matchups. And we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the playoff, given that they're at the end of this month. Um, but let's start with Georgia, Michigan. Now, and Chris, I'm gonna, as your guest, I'm going to throw this to you first. Alabama really, really expo- exposed Georgia. We thought that they were this this defense that couldn't be couldn't be trifled with. Bryce Young exposes them. That's not the type of team that Michigan is. And I'm worried that Michigan is potentially playing into Alabama's strength. I definitely think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But can Michigan do the same? Can they expose Alabama? Can they Georgia. continue to rely on our Georgia. on Georgia? On Georgia. Uh can 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 Michigan continue to rely on Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum? and whatever they bring in Donovan Edwards to throw some pass, can they, can they win that way against Georgia? No. Like, I, I, I mean, the reason Alabama was able to be successful is because they have Bryce Young. Are you really going to put the game in Caden McNamara's hands and say, okay, go beat Georgia? Probably not. Like, I really don't think that's a recipe for success. And they've, they, they beat Ohio state because they could run the ball and like Ohio state, was a great win, but they're built a lot differently than Georgia. And Georgia is top three defense. They rank top 10 in line yards. They rank um, top five in rushing success rate on defense. They are, in, they're an elite. They're just an elite defense. They're an elite front seven. They have a bunch of the best players in the country. I don't know how Michigan saying, Hey, Cade, go, go in this game for us is going to go, especially since they're missing like all, all their great receivers, like Ronnie Bell isn't playing. It's been the Cornelius Johnson show. And like, I don't really like their odds at that point. Matt, I mean, same question. Can Michigan play this telephone booth game and come out with the victory against, against Georgia? Both of these teams really want to play the same way. I, I don't know that they can win. We talked, I feel like we talked a lot about this on the after show last week, but I do think Michigan can stay competitive with them. Cause I just don't think that Stetson Bennett is going to be able to do. No, no, it's not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing him as a quarterback. I think it's because of what Hutchinson and Jabba are going to be able to do in pressuring Bennett. I, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. You know, I know Austin mentioned James Cook might be able to get like 80 passing yard or 80 receiving yards or something like that because he's going to get a lot of dump offs for screens or because of of where Michigan is weak on their defense in the linebacking core but I, I do think that they'll be able to run the ball a little bit because say what you want about that being Georgia's strength Alabama didn't really try to do that and I think it's fair to say Hassan Haskins and even Blake Horm are better than Brian Robinson and so I think that they'll be able to have some success Cade McNamara they may not ask him to be Bryce Young but if he's good when they need him to be and, and complete passes when they need him to, Michigan's going to stay in the game. I don't know that they win, but I don't think this is a blowout. I think this could very easily be like a 17-13, 17-10 game where, again, like a a critical bounce of the ball could go Michigan's way. a block Because they've blocked field goals this year. They blocked a block field goal, a block punt that turns into seven points could swing the game. But I, I just don't see this one being a blowout. I, I think it's going to be a close game. So I don't think enough people are, well, I, everyone's calling this past game that Alabama won against Georgia, Bryce Young's Heisman moment, but I haven't really heard anybody talk about like, that was the best game that I've seen a quarterback play in college football this year. I don't know what PFF graded him as. I don't use PFF grades at all. I don't know why all of a sudden this whole industry is, has really shifted toward using them. But whatever whatever he was graded as, he should have been 100 on whatever scale. He was standing on his head, especially that, that first half, he basically played a perfect football game. It was incredible. Like, instinctually, 
technically, you know, feeling the rush in the pocket, leaving the pocket when he needed to. That little play where he, the two two guys came screaming off the edge, stepped up in the pocket, broke a tackle, uh, approached the line of scrimmage, and shovel passed it off to Brian Robinson was just like genius. Cade McNamara couldn't do that if you gave him a million chances to do that same exact play. If you put him in a simulator and you just let him do it over and over and over again, he couldn't do it a single time. Now, I do think if I have been very critical of JJ McCarthy, and I still don't necessarily think that highly of him as a player, but he's the kind of guy where if he had another year there, he was another year older, had kind of gotten to experience a lot more college football. That's the kind of quarterback that they need back there, the kind of guy that can really function off script, which is what JJ McCarthy is really good at. He just can't do anything in the context of an offense at all, basically, at this point. If J.J. McCarthy was a year older and was starting in this game, I would give Michigan a puncher's chance. But, I mean, Bama ran the ball for the running backs 22 times this week, and they got 70-something yards out of it. Like, even if you think that Michigan has a more effective running game, I don't think any – it's not that much more effective than that. They're going to they're gonna be under 150 yards rushing, and McNamara is not going to pass for over 150 yards. So, where is the offense coming from? Can I just well, really I mean, quick to, to Austin, 85.4, or I'm sorry, 85.8, which was not even his highest grade throughout the season. Uh, that's he had just, a, a, if you want any sort of evidence know. as to why PFF grades are total garbage, except for maybe anything other than offensive line play, because I have no idea how to evaluate that besides, you know, <laughs> whether they're just killing them or not, that that grade is trash. That grade is trash. Um. We could see a game similar to what we saw on uh, Monday Night Football with the Bills and Patriots between Michigan and Georgia, where you know we're just going to let uh, uh, Hassan Haskins run the ball fifty times and 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 McNamara throw it three or four times. Chris, Jermaine Burton. Uh, so Todd Mockin's offense has been, you know, run the ball, throw the play action over the top, and we thought that this year that especially with George Pickens out, that Jermaine Burton would be you know, kind of take a real step after his very, very good freshman season where he really had one game where he exploded, but it was a COVID shortened season. But we knew he was one of the most athletic freshmen in his class. What are we supposed to make of this second season? Can we chalk it up to Stetson Bennett in the quarterback switch there? I mean, do you think that he will be fine here moving forward, or are you concerned about Jermaine Burton, given how highly we had him ranked? Some of us in the top 10, 15, I think I had him in the top 10 uh, to start to start the season. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think at this, this point you have to be worried. Um, not only from his raw production, right? So like he only has one 100-yard game in his entire career out of 20 and four games over 58 yards. So just like a raw stats perspective like that's not very good that one big game that you were talking about against mississippi state last year uh that still accounts for 24 percent of his entire career production it's like i don't know how much he's really relying on that one game to really keep the uh the wheels moving there but like even analytically right his year one production was good but it wasn't great uh his yard per yards per team pass attempt were slightly above expectation um yards per team, team pass attempt matters in so far that it helps measure volume while also uh, measuring efficiency. And over time, we've realized that efficiency is fairly sticky and you need to be able to do something efficiently to translate to the next level. So that's why I prefer that number over maybe like a traditional traditional dominator rating, right? Um, the overexpected portion of that is how far above or below a player was compared to players who went to the NFL and then posted a top 24 season. So when you see Jarek's magic line, whether you're above or below that, that is above or below expectation. This year, Burton comes in and he posts a yards per team pass attempt 0.78 below expectation and a weighted dominator 15% below expectation. Those are both really, really bad numbers. And you can say what you want about Stetson Bennett, but heading into the Alabama game, he had the 12th highest average yards per team pass attempt since 1956. He was having a great year. Then he threw for like 390 yards against Bama, like even in catch-up, and Jermaine <laughs> Burton wasn't a part of that. It's like there's a lot of excuses being made about Jermaine Burton. We can say, okay, the injury. Okay, well, we can look at his injured numbers, 1.53 yards per team pass attempt. You're looking for two yards per team pass attempt in a player's second year. He's still not close. He's just not hitting the numbers. He's a guy I'm really worried about um, long-term. He has to have a really good third year 
to make up for what he did this year and really lack of production freshman year out of, outside of one game. Austin, uh, how far do, dr- down do we need to drop Jermaine Burton? I, I've been dropping him, and I mean, should I talk about this now? Do we move this in the sheet? Are we talking about this at this stage? Him and Rakeem Jarrett are both guys that are just huge sells for me this offseason. Like, they just thing. both woefully underperformed expectations. I'll go find the next speculative year one guy. I could probably move them for that guy and then try again. Matt Bruning, let's move here to uh, Cincinnati versus Alabama. You know, Cincinnati is supposed to have a defense in a secondary that could limit um, Alabama's offensive weapons. They're not going to have John Mechie. You, you would think that they can focus on Jamison Williams. I mean, what are the chances that Cincinnati comes within 14 points of Alabama here? I think it's possible. I know everybody else is going to say it's not true. Uh, I am looking forward to that the the Sauce Gardner versus Jamison Williams matchup, though. I think that might be the best matchup of uh, of the playoffs with as good as he's been. I mean, again, I, I know the expectation is Bam is just going to go out there and blow him out. Maybe it happens. I, I really think that you know I mentioned this with um uh with Michigan uh, on the tailgate the other morning uh, or last weekend when they played Iowa that. I really think this game is going to be very close going into halftime. Then we'll see what happens because Alabama has the depth and the talent to really kind of blow that open in the second half. But I do think Luke Fickle is a very good coach, and Cincinnati has good players on their team. I think that they can keep it close. I do not expect them to win the game. I know I think I said in our Slack channel today that I thought I think they're going to win. I, I don't know that they win the game, but – you know, I think a lot of it, too, is going to come down to what Desmond Ritter do we get? Do we get the Desmond Ritter we've seen at times in the back half of the season who's actually played really well, or do we get that Desmond Ritter who's very inconsistent in the first half, first, second half, not missing wide open wide receivers, making bad plays, and then turns it on the second half? So if you do that, you're going to be down 30 to nothing going into halftime against Alabama. He's got to play well to start off the game. I think that defense with Brian, well, Robinson, I guess, might be back by that point because that's a month away. But if Robinson's still banged up, I don't know that they have to worry that much about the running game because I don't think they have really that guy in the backfield. With the loss of Mechie, I think that really kind of hinders that core. It's going to be, can they get pressure on Bryce Young and can they keep Jamison Williams in check? If they can, then I do think Cincinnati has a chance to really keep this close because I don't know that any of those freshmen take a massive step forward and make a huge difference in this game. I want to get worked up about this game and I just can't get that excited about it. I don't, it's not, I don't think it's that, you know, since he's this G5 team and I, you know, they're not, you know, I don't respect them or anything like that. I just, it's Alabama in the playoff again, deservedly so. There's no controversy. They didn't lose this past weekend and still make it in. They're Alabama. They're going to do Alabama things and Cincinnati is just not really a fun team to watch it all like it's I, it's desmond ritter yeah, it's jerome ford yeah. and then it's like alec pierce like yeah. D- desmond Pier- desmond ritter just underthrows him and he makes circus catches like I, it's just not a fun offense to watch it all if, if if bama gets up early there's like zero chance that this turns into a game that i want to watch beyond halftime can i can i just make one counterpoint to that sure and I, i'm not i'm not saying that they are this team if Cincinnati attack, because I think Bama is very good, but they're not the Bama we've seen of old. Cincinnati has players. Jerome Ford is not Zeke Elliott. Desmond Ritter, in my opinion, is better. Well, yeah, I know he's better than Cordero. Um, God, I cannot remember his name now. Um, but the guy whatever. Who didn't come to play school. Yeah, the guy who didn't come to play school. Why his name has jumped out of my head now, I can't. Uh, but third, third string quarterback that led them to a national championship. If they attack Bama like Ohio State did in that game, I do think Cincinnati can actually win the game. Jerome Ford, I think they can run on that defense. Will Anderson's going to cause issues for Desmond Ritter. I, I mean, I, I disagree, Max. I think that they're going to be able to run a little bit. Jerome Ford, he's not Zeke Elliott, but if they can keep the ball away from Bama, run the ball, I, I do think that they have a chance to get. I, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Cincinnati too much credit, but I think that they can keep tough, hang tough with Bama for most of the game and and at least keep it a close game. I, Chris, you got some good stats here. Let me let me let you give those give those numbers. Yeah, this is. I I was researching this earlier. I just thought it was funny, right? So the average weight of Alabama's offensive line is three hundred fifteen pounds. 
Cincinnati's D-line is four, is 272 pounds. The difference is an average of 43 pounds per player. If you compare that to the Cincinnati O-line versus the Bama D-line, it's only 17 pounds per player. Like, those boys from Alabama are going to destroy the the line. I Like, this, isn't, this, this game in the trenches is not going to be close, and Cincinnati's offensive line actually isn't really that good. They're like 46th in line yards, and... Um, that is basically how many li- yards you, um, your line creates for you each play, whether it's a rush play or, or pass play, doesn't matter. It's just the average. Um, Alabama ranks third, and they were doing that against SEC opponents. Cincinnati was doing that against like Tulane. So I don't think this game is going to be close, and I think it's really going to be one of the trenches. We saw the best performance on both sides of the ball for Alabama's lines, and I think they're going to. I think they're just gelling as a unit right now. I just don't think this game's. <laughs> They got. They just got bigger guys, more athletic, bigger guys in the trenches. Alec Pierce, who Matt Bruning could not stop when we played NCAA, NCAA uh, uh, down in in Columbus. All right, all right, boys, are we ready for the Debbie debates? To do it, got got fresh Jermaine meat in here tonight to dominate. Woo. Austin, you answered this question already. Jermaine Burton, a sell in all formats. I think you have to. Yeah. I mean, beyond just what, what Chris said about him, I think the, the community at large has not adjusted the rankings at all to really reflect how disappointing his season was. I know I've bumped him down a lot of spots. It probably still isn't enough, but I still see a lot of places where he goes second, third, fourth rounds of, you know, C2C startups or Debbie drafts. And that's just not in my opinion, like the value, the value is no longer there with him. Like I, I, I don't want to be left holding him. If he disappoints for a couple more games, everyone catches up starting the next year. So I think, you know, he's just a guy that is completely off my board. I don't know if it's George's offense. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just done with Jermaine Burton at this point. Agreed, but I'll kick back on. I would, uh, I would keep Jared. I still believe in Jared and his talent. I know he has not produced, I just I don't really trust Maryland and and Talia and all that. So Jared, I think, still has the talent to to be a, a top guy. And I think his value is deflated a little bit more than Burton. So I, I don't I haven't seen the recent mocks to see how much later he is or isn't going. Uh, but I would still I still believe in Jared. But I'm I'm with you on on Burton. I dropped him quite a bit. Burton and Jared had like basically the same analytical season. And one was competing with like better players at Georgia. And one was competing with like third string guys after Dante Dimas went down. Like, I don't want either guy right now. The same way I don't want Marvin Mims. The same way I don't want like a lot of those second year guys that flash year one. Like, I think the 2023 class outside of Ute, Addison, JSN, like it's not as deep as I think we thought it once was. Like there were a lot of disappointments this year. And everything I said about Burton applied to all those guys. Same, same, same profiles basically now. I have all their ADP after that. I have all their ADP here. If anyone just wants me to briefly kind of say what's going on. So we're running four campus to Canton mock drafts right now. uh, Campus startups. Rakeem Jarrett is still going as wide receiver six overall. He kind of starts the second tier of receiver at 25.5 is his average ADP. Uh, Jermaine Burton is going wide receiver 15, which is actually lower than I thought he would be. Average ADP of 52. And the wide receivers that go between the two of them, wide receiver 6, wide receiver 15, are Quentin Johnston, Marvin Mims, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Emeka Ekbuka, Parker Washington, JoJo Earl, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Mario Williams. So that's the, the tier that those guys are all in. And the top 50 of campus startups is basically a debut draft anyway. So, you know, with mod- minor modifications. All right, now, uh, without Lincoln Riley in the fold, Caleb Williams should, tr- should transfer. Chris Moxley. Uh, no, because they brought in Levy from Ole Miss, and I think that's actually a good fit for him. Um, runs an offense that I think Caleb Williams could actually succeed in. Like we saw, like Matt Corral's fairly mobile. Um, he's not Caleb Williams, and I, I think that a lot of the same concepts that they used this year can be accentuated with Williams behind um, – or under center. And I don't think he's going to transfer because he was at Venable's press conference. So that's reading between the tea leaves kind of stuff. I think he's going to stay. And I think he should. Let's put an exclamation point on that and Levy running an offense more suited to Caleb Williams. So that's that heavy RPO scheme that link uh, that uh, Lane Kiffin runs. And 
I think I've said this in so many words on other shows. Lincoln Riley's play calling for Caleb Williams this season was absolutely terrible. These long developing five-step drop back type plays, that is not the type of player that we thought he was uh, coming out of the tri-state area. More of a, I mean, more of a Jalen Hurts type player. They didn't emphasize him in the designed running game. I think that Levy is going to do that given the offense that he's coming from. And I, not only, I, I would say that that offense is more suited, more suited for Caleb Williams' strengths um, as opposed to what Lincoln Riley was was doing for him this season. So I agree with you. I agree with you that he should that he should not transfer. But I am worried about you know them losing recruits. Because uh, he's got to throw the ball to somebody. Hopefully in the bowl game, he throws it to Mario Williams. I think I need like what, like 90-something yards out of Mario Williams uh, uh, this season. Uh, does the bowl game count? I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't know we were, counting, know we were counting playoffs. That, yes, it counts. Yes, it counts. Yes, I'm not even scared. That's the best part. It doesn't worry <laughs> me at all. Well, you 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 both need to answer. Caleb, Caleb Williams, should he transfer? I mean – I. No, Matt. pre pre uh, pre or after um, uh, uh, leaving now. I, I know everybody wants him to transfer, but unless he was going back to Lincoln Riley, which you already just mentioned, Felix, he was not doing a good job calling plays for him anyway. I don't know where he could have gone that was going to be much better. Like everybody wants these players to transfer. I just don't think there's that many great offensive minds in college. So you're talking about, oh, hey, transfer. What if he goes somewhere that's even worse off for than where he was at Oklahoma? We knew he was going to be the starter. Venable's coming in there. If he was like, hey, we're going to continue to work around you. You're our guy moving forward for the next two years. Like sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. So no, I think he should have stayed regardless pre uh, pre and after the move. I think he just stay at Oklahoma. You know what you've got there and, and continue to dominate that program. And I, I believe the runner up in his recruiting was Maryland. And I don't know that that's a good fit either. Uh, Austin, you're on board. Caleb Williams to stay put. I think he should. Um, partially because I have a lot of Jackson dart. Um, across a lot of my leagues. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, you know, it's going to be a good offense and and just staying at one school as a quarterback and having as much consistency, even though it's a, it's a, you know, slightly different coaching staff. I think it's just something to be said for that. I do. All right. We talked a little bit about that uh, uh, Alabama Cincinnati game. Chris Moxley, Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Detroit King, Detroit stand up. Can he neutralize Jamison Williams? And without John Metzi, uh, without John Metzi, I think I know your answer to this question. Can Cincinnati shut down Alabama's offense? It's a two part question. You're muted. Chris Moxley is talking while he's that's muted. Yes, that's classic Felix. Um, You're doing a great job. Too. You are elevating the <laughs> level of the show, except for you know not, the last few moments, notwithstanding. You're elevating the level of the <laughs> you show. Were, you were great until 30 seconds. Until yeah, no pressure though, right? Um, no, so so what I was saying was before I when I was muted was who's the best corner or the best wide receiver that Gardner has lined up against over the last two years? Do you think it's Jack Sorensen from Miami, or do you think it's Nathaniel Dell from Houston? <laughs> well, they played. They did play Georgia in the bowl game. They did play Georgia he, in the bowl he game. He didn't I don't play know that game. He, he was lined up. Oh, shit. He was well, out that then, game. Yeah. And George yeah. Pickens went for 175 and won. Um, so I, it, maybe, it's, maybe it's Danny Gray from SMU, although I think Danny Gray might have been hurt that game. So maybe it was Dylan Goffney from SMU. So I think Sauce Gardner is a very good player. He's lanky. He uses his, his size. To, to break up passes, but he doesn't have long speed. He's got recovery speed, doesn't have good long speed. Jamison Williams is a bad matchup for him, I think. And I don't like, I also like the, the guy they have on the other side, Kobe Bryant, um, C-O-B-Y Bryant. I, I think he's a really good corner as well. And I think he's someone who's probably going day two um, if he comes out. But I, I just think Jamison Williams is a bad matchup for them. And we've seen Ja'Cory Brooks actually take a couple steps. And I think he could fill in for Mechie because I don't think Mechie was really all that a- exciting. And I think maybe they'll get JoJo Earl on the field. If JoJo Earl can can do something, like I think the speed on that Alabama team is going to cause problems for that secondary. And I don't think Gardner can keep up. Like I don't think he runs like a – he ran a 4.77 or four seven seven coming out. I think he's faster than that. But like I don't think he's like 4.4 four speed. I think he's probably like low 4.5s or like maybe high 4.5s. I'm not sure. But I think it's going to be 
more problematic than people realize, despite how good Sauce Gardner has been. I do you like I don't know how Cincy is planning on going about this without Mechie there. What would you not just do the Belichick thing where you put the second best corner and a safety out. over the top on the best wide receiver and then you put Gardner on whoever the wide receiver two is? Like I feel like that's the better route like 98% of the time. And I think that's probably the best bet, especially with Mechie out. Probably. Right. Like, I, I don't like, I don't know what they're planning on. Like, I don't know if they do that. We haven't seen Gardner have to go up against a big wide receiver to know what they're going to do. As you yeah. stated. I mean, Jack Sorensen's close, but he Jack Sorensen isn't quite Jameson Williams. You could mistake the two of them if you kind of squinted a little bit. And it was, you know, the lighting wasn't great in the room you were in. And TV was off. <laughs> if, if Sauce Gardner plays against Jameson, Williams, if they line up against each other under 50 yards in the game. Under, under on James Williams. That's how much I believe in Sauce Gardner. Under Gardner has just um, been really well. Really to good. be honest, Matt. So let me like I know you were talking about you think you know this isn't going to be a blowout and and so on. Yeah. If Jamison Williams has under fifty yards, like I does that mean that I, all, that all, that Alabama doesn't score more than I twenty four points is going to be a good game. But the other reason I think Bama's not going to come in there. I hate to go back to the subject we already talked about. Bama's not coming in this with any other pre, preconceived notions. They're just going to roll over. Nick Saban is not the greatest coach in college football for no reason. Luke Fickle and Cincinnati have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain in this game. I just think there needs to be a lot to be said about that. The, the only teams that have ever made it to the fourth seed and the Notre Dame teams, I don't think they felt that way. Cincinnati's got a massive chip on their shoulder, and that matters. And and Sauce Gardner, I do think, is a very good cornerback. I don't know if they go the route that you just mentioned, Also, Maybe they put him on a different guy and put the safety over the top. Probably would be the smarter decision because you get the two guys on Jamison Williams and let Sauce Gardner just cover the other guy and maybe force Bryce Young. To, to make plays or or run the ball. But I, I do think if he is up on Jamison Williams, I do think he's going to shut him down. I think he is a – I've watched Cincinnati all year. It feels like every week we've, we've covered them on Coast to Coast. I've picked to, to watch them because I really like that team. You know, I, Desmond Ritter's biggest fan on, on at, at the side apparently. So I, I, I've watched them all season long. Like Gardner I think is a very, very, very good cornerback. He will be able to shut down Jamison Williams. I'm going to tell you why that that's why that's not true. It's because one Alabama's line is going to be able to keep Bryce Young clean and even if they don't, he's going to be able to extend plays. And I don't care how good Sauce Gardner is, he's not going to be able to keep track of Jamison Williams for 5, 6, 7 seconds. He's I mean, first of all, no corner could. And he's not going to be able to. So I'm going to agree with Austin and uh, Chris here. As a matter of fact, I I think that this game could potentially hurt Sauce Gardner's draft draft stock. To be honest with you, I can see Jameson Williams going for like 200 yards, 200, 200 yards receiving in this game. I'm, I'm being honest. All right, all right. Um, I think I think that's it. Anything else? Anything else before we close out the show? That is going to do it for us. Make sure uh, you check out all of the content around the campus to Canton family, the articles, the podcast channel, including Canton Bound Campus Life Fantasy Roundtable. And are we still doing Why Wait Till Sunday? No, it's DF. It's a mystery. It's It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Uh, All right. Uh, that's that's our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.